Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Bator of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are talking about the many first <laughs> officers in Star Trek Discovery. We have entered the New Trek era. Here we are in Disco Land. Ashlyn, this is so exciting. We are cruising along our first officer series. Yeah, we're over halfway through. And as usual, Disco has thrown us into utter chaos. <laughs> <laughs> they said chain of command, who? <laughs> yeah, and this was one of the first things that I noticed about Discovery as a show. And we've said it before. The positions are not stable at all. We're going to have people dying right away. We're going to have crew coming and going. It's it's chaos. And um, as usual, Rihanna and I, pre-pod meeting, are trying to discuss how the F to organize this podcast because yeah. Discovery has thrown us for a loop. And I also have to say right now, in re-watching, preparing for this episode, I have discovered that we forgot a death fake-out. Um, yeah. Stamets does technically flatline in the Wolfen side. Um, yeah. So sorry we <laughs> forgot to cover that. <laughs> oh my god. I woke up to a text this morning just saying, we missed a death fake-out. Stamets dies in Wolf in the Fold. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> She means Wolf inside, but like I love this that she she accidentally you still made a Star Trek reference on accident. <laughs> yeah, I did not mean to, and that of course for people who aren't like have every original series title memorized. Um, <laughs> that is the episode from original series where Scotty's framed for murder. So don't anyway, worry, it's really yeah. Jack the Ripper. So <laughs> it's a normal plot, a murder fake out. Yeah, <laughs> One yeah. Say. so we apologize for that. Uh, I think we also technically missed the Vedic Burial death fake out, but he's still <laughs> dead by the end of the episode, so it's fine, I guess. <laughs> we say often with family, as well with death fake outs now. I think those are the two that we realize have more than we ever <laughs> even thought possible. Ever could have dreamed, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we have some housekeeping things to take care yes. of, and this is going to be a new segment on the beginning of every podcast. We want to take a moment to thank all of our patrons for their support. We really appreciate you. So here we are. We have Rick Mason, who's a new patron. We are so excited to have joining the pod. We have John T. Bold, Gildara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan, and Michelle. Thank you so much for donating to our Patreon. We really appreciate having you. And we just want to take a moment to feature you on the pod. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's truly like the highlight of whatever day is happening, you know, when we see that there's a new patron. And uh, I just want to thank you all for supporting us. Yes, and we have some really exciting changes coming up and a lot more gifts that we are going to offer if you become a patron. So keep an eye out for that news. It's going to be dropping soon. Speaking of which, we have a lot of news dropping mm -hmm. soon. Some news is coming sooner than you might imagine because at the end of the podcast, we will be announcing the next series. Ah. And you know, Rihanna, if you were a patron, so any of the names I just mentioned, they already know what the series is. So yeah. another benefit. Yeah. Ashlyn, this is so exciting. 
usually this is around the time where we announce the new series and uh, I'm very excited to hear what Ashlyn has in store for us. Ashlyn and I have decided that we are going to be skipping Picard for this First Officers podcast and I'm sorry to like disappoint people who are excited but we truly don't think we have a First Officer to talk about and don't think it would be fair to talk about just Rios when he's truly the captain of La Serena or just Rafi who was John Luke's first officer during the Romulan missions, but like is now like not in that position, we and got, we can't. We you got know, no like, screen time. We yeah, we got no screen time as first of officer. So how can we talk about it except right as we are? <laughs> We'd literally have to like read excerpts from Lost Best Hope. <laughs> like I think that would be the only way. So yeah, I'm sorry if that disappoints anyone because this is a, a completely Picard is so unconventional that even season two couldn't give us any of the like content that we would want in a first officer series so we kind of think it's perfect though because you get three to make up for it in this episode we're talking about three different characters so hopefully that'll satiate your need to talk about a lot of first officers exactly and we are going to talk about ransom and lower decks we're even going to talk about una I know I think about those poor Picard fans who are like, they keep skipping Picard. <laughs> I know, we didn't have a time travel one, even though now, of course, there was an entire season. Yeah, that's <laughs> We're going to have rude. to go back and review. <laughs> yeah. Come on, I wanted their timing to be better for our podcast. Like, geez. <laughs> I think it's just that we're predicting the future, so. Yeah. So probably they'll be it. They'll announce the new first officer for Picard season three, like tomorrow or something. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, unless we talk about Riker again, but you know, it's not Riker. <laughs> yeah, it's not Riker. Maybe so. it's Jordy. Stop. <laughs> okay. Anyway, and he's also too qualified. <laughs> yeah. <anyway. laughs> yeah, he, he's like ambassador Jordy. <laughs> Oh, there's our very brief Picard First Officer podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, okay, we have so much in store. I'm very excited. Rihanna, it's time to turn towards our officers. So this is a really this is, <laughs> this is a really funny order. I mean, man, talk about unconventional. I feel like these pods yeah. are always so like normal and great and then we get to discovery and it's like oh hang on because hang on. two minutes later and like yeah. it, it's just do you remember that entire timeline you laid out for us what was it time travel no, no it was death fake outs because in <laughs> yeah. despite yourself there was like four and it was like yeah but insane. they're mere universe yeah. yeah so we have a lot of caveats as always for discovery so here's what we're doing to try to give you the best possible experience we are going to basically be going in order of the show, so there's not, like, back and forth with the seasons, because they're very different seasons. So we're going to start off with Michael just <laughs> in the first two episodes, so a little a little taste of Michael in Vulcan Hello and then the Battle of Binary Stars, and then we will be going to Saru and talking about Choose Your Pain, The Wolf Inside, Vaulting Ambition, Brother... And an oval for Charon. Charon? I always say it wrong. I have no effing clue. Oval for, for oval the chariot. For Charon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we will be going to Michael again, talking about the people of Earth and scavengers from season three. And then we will be ending with Tilly talking about Unification 3, There is a Tide, That Hope is You Part 2. And then secretly we're throwing in a final Saru section to talk about season four, 
we didn't watch any episodes for it because there's not much like he's just hanging yeah. around like there's no talk of it's rank. not saru's season or he doesn't do a lot of first officer things and oh my gosh he's been a first officer so much <laughs> already <laughs> like it's insane talk about Truly. overqualified at that point all of these people are completely overqualified um yeah so ashland Thank you for laying this very complicated thing out. So yeah, just hang in there with us. We're going to be going back and forth a lot, but that's because that's what the show is doing to us. So yeah. Okay. Well, I have to ask you a fascinating question. If, and you, you can't answer <laughs> any of the three. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot talk about any of them. Rihanna, if you could choose a first officer on Discovery, not already mentioned, who would it be? yeah so tilly michael and saru sorry they don't exist in this universe we don't know who the captain is frankly (laughs) okay i'm gonna go with the like pike era or a lorca okay i was gonna say each person can choose their own captain oh i like that (laughs) okay yeah damn it okay because i forgot michael didn't exist i was gonna do a pair but (laughs) nope so i am actually going to go with joanne oh wow awoshikun I think that... Whoa, and who she, she paired with? I am, I'm going to say Pike, I guess, okay. because I don't want to pair anyone with Lorca, frankly. <laughs> um, he's, like, traumatizes the entire crew, so mm-hmm. um, <laughs> staying away from that. But, yeah, I a couple reasons. First of all, when thinking about the other members of the crew, they need to be where they're at. You know, like, Detmer needs to be flying that ship. Um, Stamets, of course, needs to be down with the spores. And Rice and Brees need to be at their stations. And I don't think that they have many leadership qualities that, like, stand out. At least we don't get enough time to know them. And, you know, as much as I love to choose Linus, I also don't know much about his qualities or his his qualifications here. So, uh, but in in all, like, seriousness, I think that we got to, because of the extended scenes and things that we got to see about Owoshikun in season four changed my perspective on her instead of just thinking of her as like at the op station just chilling with Detmer like she got to be her own person and we really got to see how she steps up and takes charge in that like galactic barrier episode but also just like how she's willing to speak her mind you know even when it was something like no we have to save them and she kind of like disagreed with Saru there and had that tension it was still really important for the for her to speak her mind like that and so important for a first officer to do that and I also think like my god she has so much life experience you know she was like oh I've been holding my breath for years and everyone's like what you know and uh and she can like beat anyone in a fight like you need a first officer who can be like scrappy and like fast and quick and everything and I also think her and Pike would be really cool to watch together just because like he respects the crew so much and they respect him and so I think their dynamic would be really good because she can like run in and be action and also question you know his decisions if she seems like if it seems like they're not sound or whatever so I just think like she would be an awesome first officer and like please for the love of god discovery spend more time on these smaller bridge crew characters because they should not be considered smaller quote unquote like they should be the same we should get to know them more because like because this is star trek you know we're supposed to know our bridge crew like intimately so i'm just i'm just begging the writers to give us more because but even from what we got a wushkun is my pick wow 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 oh wow rihanna (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) good one thank you that is beautiful um 
I, I really agree with you. I'm actually like literally looking through the cast again because mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a better answer than Owo. It's a shame, like you said, that they don't spend more time on these characters. I know, yeah, we like we even have one off off episode, which is awesome. But I really mm-hmm. want to know like different sides of her, you know? Yeah. I don't even know what to say because. <laughs> okay, actually, I do, and you're not gonna like it. I'm gonna say Reno. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you mean? I love that. <laughs> which captain? Okay. Oh, oh, that's a hard one. Um, Reno. I didn't even think about Reno. This is genius. And I mean, can you imagine Lorca? (laughs) Can you imagine how she would handle him? She would just put him in his place. God, okay, no. Uh, Reno and I think think everyone goes with Pike. I'm trying to think about her and Michael, and I just... But Michael doesn't exist. uh, Even as captain. Even as captain? I would have put... That's I would put Owo with her. That's but... simple. They... Okay, whatever. It's our own question. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> it's our question. Yeah. I'm like, it's an alternate take... universe. Neither none of these first officers exist. Okay, well, yeah, I'll go with Pike then. She is, I mean, crazy smart. Again, maybe it's it would be a problem, but I feel like Discovery kind of has like kind of views engineering in a different way because you have Stamets totally. um, and mm. the engineering section, but. Um, I think that she would be fantastic at getting, like, uh, like being able to talk with people. She's not afraid to ruffle some feathers. So if she mm-hmm. has to, like, discipline you, you're going to feel the pain of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, she seems like she'd be able to just crush it. Yeah, I think maybe the only problem would be, like, can she get serious in yeah, I was wondering in diplomatic situations how yeah. that would go. It's kind of, she kind of reminds me of McCoy and Ta'ana, honestly. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. and so I I think she would be able to tone it down when it matters. We've seen her get really empathetic um, with Colbert and Hugh. And Stamets, and, yeah. yeah. And Hugh. <laughs> I love Colbert and Hugh. <laughs> That's brilliant. He's just like, I love everything about <laughs> Wilson Cruz, Colbert and you. Oh my god, we always call out Julian. <laughs> always, got to, ever since I've learned that fact about him. Oh my god, when we went live on Discovery Pod, I said that too, and then in yeah. the chat, Julian was like, I got called out. Literally. It's because I We're not always... calling you out, we're calling you in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, anyway, I think, yeah, it's maybe a little unconventional. I feel like choosing flocks last week, too, was, like, yeah, really weird. Yeah, that was wild. And... I still think this would be a really awesome, um, for, she'd be a really awesome first officer to have. I love that, because she also doesn't need to be down in engineering. She can be at an engineering console on the bridge, um, because Stamets is doing all of the, like, hands work, you know? We just need Reno's brain. Like, she can do anything with some duct tape and some licorice, so. Yeah. Yeah, man. I hope we Love get to it. see her climb through the ranks. I hope we get um, more of her on no, screen. Seriously, just more at this point. Like, I don't care what she does. <laughs> if she just sits there, like, I'll be happy. Yeah, <laughs> you know? same. So, yeah. Okay, well, this is not the Jet Reno show, sadly. We already did that show. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it is time to discuss pilot Vulcan Hello. <laughs> here we are i'm just like god damn okay <laughs> this two-parter or not it's not even really a two-parter but these first two episodes you have quite to the, view uh, it as a two-parter because the story does not yeah. end after the first 
episode. No, this first scene, man, have we talked about it before. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm just astounded that once again I'm getting different things from it because I feel like last time we talked about the scene it was for a mother-daughter perspective and family. Mm-hmm. And yet, even so, like, the relationship that you have with found family is different than that of your superior officer. I am noticing that they have incredibly easy banter and Mm -hmm. it's very easy to pick up their what their relationship is i've said this a million times in complimenting discovery that they show not tell and that's Mm -hmm. exactly what this whole scene is they are really establishing trust on both characters perspectives because we can tell that Giorgio is relying heavily on Michael like for all of the science and then Giorgio's just there to like analyze and you know like give advice about what to do and then later we see that Giorgio is gonna just start like walking off randomly into the desert and Michael's like um please please uh please (laughs) tell me she's like freaking out she's like uh what are you doing um yeah (laughs) like uh this is not good and this is illogical we're getting more lost (laughs) yeah she's freaking out and Giorgio's like just trust me Michael like come on we've they've we know that Mm -hmm. uh they have served together for seven years so this is Mm -hmm. kind of like a Picard Riker situation that we're looking at at the end of the show you know and we've never come into a first officer captain relationship like this before so they are as close as they as we've ever seen between first officers and captains it's phenomenal from the start i totally agree thank you for bringing this up ashlyn and i think it's this scene for them is one of the most important in the show which is so funny to say because they're not even on the shenzo at this time but their interaction here is so telling And I think, too, from a captain first officer perspective, there is just a ease of it, a looseness, exactly like you're saying with Picard and Riker. I'm even thinking, without, of course, the, like, underlying tones of love, uh, I'm thinking of Janeway and Chakotay as well, like, in their, the end of their mission. And I'm not saying that just to wreck Ashlyn, but it is fun to watch her, like, (laughs) like, just, like, fall apart. (laughs) It's always fun. (laughs) But, like... I don't know there's just it's something that feels like it comes so naturally to the both of them and I think that like both of them fit so well in these roles that they have but they're also still discussing captaincy that is such a cool part that I can't believe I didn't really notice or think about much watching this scene from other perspectives is that Giorgio asked Michael if she wants to start thinking about a captaincy and I think it's interesting that it has been seven years since they've been together I do not know how long she's been her first officer though because I know she started as, like, science officer mm. uh, when she arrived with Sarek uh, seven years prior. So I'm not sure if then we're talking, like, maybe it was five years, maybe it was three. Like, I don't know how long she's been her first officer, but it feels like it's been about seven. But that's just their bond and the way they know each other so well. Yes, Rihanna, thank you for bringing this up. I'm not sure about her advancement either, like how long it took her to get to the rank of commander, because she's a solid commander, like not lieutenant commander or anything. She's like ready to go, ready to be a captain. You can tell this is how Giorgio is looking at her in this Mm -hmm. scene. And yeah, the fact that they bring up rank right away is crazy. Very crucial to the position they're both at in the start of this episode and just show how quickly something can change. This is something that I thought at first was such a failure of Discovery, which now I'm seeing it as an actually like brilliant success of this story, is being able to go from this, and I'm just, you know, quickly jumping the head just to make this comparison, like 
to go from the beginning of the Vulcan hello with the bond of trust that they have and then to end this episode with a mutiny and a like complete and utter betrayal of that trust sorry about if you can hear that plane Mm -hmm. um but I'm just gonna keep going um you know you have these really bookend experiences happening in one episode I thought at first when I watched this it was like huge whiplash I hated it was very like just upset about what was going on you know now that I understand the characters and I understand the 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 meaning of the storyline it's huge and crucial that they're talking about Captain C right before Michael betrays her you know that's insane and incredible that they were able to add that in Rihanna yes thank you because I mean on paper that's insane and I I felt the exact same way and I think because Rihanna and I not I not only Rihanna I think Trek fans Trek fans in general are kind of comforted by knowing who plays what role because when we have a new series we know oh I like the engineering position so I'm excited to see who's the engineer going to be you know but so when I went into this as a huge Star Trek fan watching this episode and everything that unfolds and we lose Giorgio at the end of the second episode we lose like the engineer and like everyone gets transferred and it's crazy I really felt chaos because um not having that kind of like support system in place is really jarring and Mm -hmm. I think we're supposed to feel that way because we're on this journey that Michael is um so moi yes thank you wonderful point I wanted to mention also that right away we see the rapport between Saru, Michael, and uh, Giorgio when they're back on Discovery on the bridge mm-hmm. um, because it's easy and you can tell they all really trust each other. But there is, I, I felt like Michael was kind of being like extra rude to Saru. She says at one point to him, and this is later when they're like discussing how to handle the Klingon situation. Michael yeah. says, being afraid of everything means you never learn anything. And she straight up tells that to Saru. And that's yeah. like kind of, kind of rude. So I noticed that they had like a really interesting relationship already forming. And then the last thing I want to say is that I really feel like Giorgio heavily relies on Michael like she will go with her suggestion even if it seems kind of crazy like when Michael comes back with a concussion and it's like that was a Klingon I killed a Klingon I yeah. promise they were Klingons and the whole crew is like no you're concussed no one's yeah. seen even Giorgio's like we've never seen a Klingon in a hundred years and Michael's mm-hmm. like I'm not triggered even though I am that was yeah. a, that was a Klingon and Giorgio's like okay red alert I really felt like she was leaning on Michael in this episode for a lot of decisions. And so to have it turn like it does is hurtful. I feel the pain. (laughs) Yes, so viscerally. Thank you for talking about the Saru dynamic because this is something we're going to get into heavily in the upcoming episodes. But something that I think is only hinted at here is the jealousy or even just envy that Saru has of Michael's position because it's clear that he wants it and it's clear that he loves Giorgio in a similar way that Michael does but Giorgio sees Michael more as like kin or more as you know like someone she's taken under her wing wherein Saru is just like a pretty awesome science officer you know and Mm -hmm. that's kind of his position and maybe I don't know obviously the like how Giorgio feels about Saru but I think that what her and Michael have is a lot deeper, and so Saru envies that, especially because Giorgio was the one to, like, get Saru's 
distress signal. As we learn in the short trek, the brightest star. Anyway, I'm not trying to talk about Saru a lot, but I, of course, am. So I think that this dynamic is filled with a little bit of, like, there's just a little bit of tenseness here because not only from Michael's end, but from Saru's as well, when that exact scene you're saying, when Michael comes back irradiated, she's just killed the Klingon, she's telling them all this, he says, like, you have severe radiation, you are not thinking clearly, like, she is not even cleared to be out of sick bay. all this kind of stuff, like, instantly not listening to her, and it's just, like, icky, because there's so many instances of, like, people just not listening to black women, you know, and, and writing off them as whatever, this or that, or, oh, she's just concussed, you know, but I think even if you're concussed, you'd remember killing a Klingon, like, you know, and this is Michael Burnham we're talking about, and so... That just like bothers me, you know, this whole this whole dynamic between them, even though it's sort of played out to be kind of funny, it's really tense. And I'm super glad you brought it up. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. And I really think like setting that type of example on the ship can be kind of deadly, you know, Um, that right away you're just like not listening to people. That is not what Starfleet is about. And I I don't think Saru would do that to anyone else but because of this whole situation with michael that he really wants her position and he's really jealous of her which thank you for bringing up i i want to say now i was like maybe i should just wait and say it later but in the episode in season three people of earth yes in people of earth saru does admit that he was jealous uh because he had hoped that things were going to unfold. Michael would go get her own ship and kind of get out of his way. And then mm-hmm. finally he would be able to become first officer to Giorgio, who is his idol, his his favorite yeah. captain. You know, I had never really thought about that until hearing his own explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for bringing it up now because that is a really important thing to note. And, it, I mean, this is a tangled web of officers that we weave. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think, too, like, it's important to think about, like, there's a difference between the way that Michael handles things versus the way Saru handles things. And they both come from a place of fear, but they both react on their fear in a different way. And I think, oddly enough, Ashlyn, you and I are really similar in this way, where I am paralyzed by things that scare me. And so I just am like, I'm going to take the safest route. I'm going to overthink this like crazy. And then eventually I will make a calculated good decision, but it will take way too long because I'm (laughs) paralyzed by fear. And I think, you know, Ashlyn, you can speak to yourself, but I feel like you're a little more Michael-y, like, push through that with a hard head, (laughs) bang it against that wall until it breaks open. There's very little thinking involved. (laughs) 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 Just, it's more, like, uh, instinctual. And I think that is the difference. That's definitely the difference between Saru and Michael. Thank you, Rihanna. And I've always, like, yeah. yeah. Very interesting, but true, I think, analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and so it makes sense that they would handle these situations differently. And so when they're talking about who's going to go and go and look at the object of unknown origin, Saru is, like, pretty happy to just let Michael do it. Because he's like, that is, like, suicide almost. Like, you you only have, what, 12 minutes to go there and back? It's, like, a crazy short amount of time. And, of course, there's a Klingon waiting to attack you. So I think it's just interesting because... Like, I've always associated the um, Baharai and, like, the ganglia as sort of, like, anxiety, you know? And that's, I have anxiety. And so, like, that is my free response at being, like, I'm going to react, overreact to this situation and it's a threat. Yeah, it's just interesting that Michael and Saru just have such a different way of reacting to things and, like, they're such different officers, you know? So we're going to see 
that change. Yeah, and Rihanna, thank you, thank you, thank you, wow. What I love about introducing Saru's type of character is that it is still like a very viable way to get to the captain's chair and mm-hmm. like his method of dealing with problems, it is not lesser than Michael's. Sure, yeah. he has um, a, a big learning curve, you know, yeah. and we, we're gonna talk about this in the Saru section. Um, totally. But I think at the end of the day, like neither one is better and they both have their drawbacks. Yes. But in Star Trek so far, we have had no anxious first officers or captains, you know? Like, yeah. I don't think we've had, maybe, I I don't, I, I don't know. Like, Chakotay, yeah. I, I don't think so. Like, they're, everyone no. is just, like, go and, like, and mm-hmm. bust through in the walls in their own way. Um, and so I just think it's, like, really cool to represent a different type of thinking and decision-making in the character totally. of Saru. He can still Absolutely. rise to the top, and just like all of us can. Everyone who overthinks, you can still do it, yeah. and it's fine. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Ashlyn. Then we get down to the mutiny itself, you know, where everything starts to go wrong, and this is something that, like, we see hints of in other shows, but something that I want to, again, applaud Discovery for that, some, that pissed me off when I was first watching it was the fact that, like, we are watching an episode about the first mutineer ever, you know, is what I'm realizing as it's unfolding. And like, once we hear more about it, it's fascinating to like, see the reactions, you know, that come from this breakdown of the of command structure, you know, especially because it's happening so publicly on the bridge, that like, that's makes it even worse. And like, when Michael's first questioning Giorgio, and there's that really heavy dispute of, oh, we should fire on Klingons, no, we shouldn't, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's so tense, you know, and then Michael just goes and knocks her out, comes back, is like, anyway, she's fire on the Klingons, which I think is, like, hilarious, but so tragic. It's all just, like, such, a, yeah, such an emotional scene, and I think that the fact that it's done so publicly, like, makes the chain of command even more shaky, you know, and it makes everyone feel really out of place when you're, like, literally watching a mutiny occur in front of you. Yes, especially between these two who have known each other for so long. Yeah, you're like, they're practically related. What is happening? Yes, yeah, I totally agree with you. It was like the public nature of it that put everyone on on alarm. And especially Saru, because he's like extra Mm -hmm. sensitive to Michael and Giorgio. And once he understands what's happening he's very quick like michael walks yeah. out of the room and saru's like what's going on what's happening <laughs> like literally this is not he's right like, i'm always kind of sus of you and this is just confirming or not just sus but just like ever since she came back from the klingon you know she's been acting odd to him and so he's been on alert like you said yeah yeah I also, Mm -hmm. I want to go back for a second, a little, a minute before the mutiny. Just another way that we get a sense of, like, the trust that they had was when Giorgio asked her, what's the mood outside? And Mm, I I love this type of relationships between these, like, between the top two people. I just love that she's really concerned and thinking about, like, how how does everybody feel? And then Michael doesn't hesitate to give Saru's opinion it's like, oh, he strongly thinks we should leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is good that she doesn't hesitate to give his opinion. So anyway, I just wanted to showcase that before I forgot. Yes. Thank you, Ashlyn. Like you were saying about how this is unprecedented, absolutely, mm-hmm. as a mutiny. I was thinking we've never, ever seen this before. And I think the closest we've ever seen a first officer 
yelling at his captain or her captain. I think they're all his, except Kira, anyway. Kira, and Tapol, yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> yell, when, whenever a first officer happens to be yelling at their captain, like, the only time I can think is in the like Riker's dreaming world and it turns out to be that kid don't you even yeah he's like no you can't don't even try and he like tells Picard to shut up he's like shut "Shut up up, you shut the hell up (laughs) (laughs) god that was epic yeah and that was like of course that wasn't even real you know so Starfleet is so like uptight (laughs) that this is this has never happened even if it's like Kira's pissed at Cisco for some decision like it's still out of like passion and like compassion more than it's out of just like and I, I don't know that Michael is also trying to have compassion here in this moment saying like I'm trying to save you all because she talks to Sarek about the Vulcan hello but Sarek keeps cautioning this is a very particular situation that you can't apply to all situations and that's exactly what she does wrong you know and it's just like this horrible dramatic irony you know that Michael is so intent on saving Giorgio particularly that that's what ends up killing her you know it's just oh it's so effed and I it makes me sad for her you know that this was the result of this mutiny I was also gonna say Spock Spock's actual mutiny against Kirk but he didn't yell at him so (laughs) (laughs) that mutiny was really like slid under the door (laughs) yeah I mean the Telosians like did the made up trial? No one, <laughs> no one knew except everyone on Enterprise. Yeah, like Starbase Twelve is like, where did that ship go? And they're like, like oh, okay, they're back now. Yeah, like, cool. There goes Pike, I guess. Yeah. Um, very true. I guess we have to note the the mutinies. Um, but that was that was not this time. This is still there was no mutinies in Enterprise, so no. Um, what you were saying about kind of Michael's downfall. I totally agree with and it makes me just sad because obviously this is a result of her being like super triggered because her parents Mm -hmm. were literally killed by Klingons and she hasn't really dealt with this you know Mm -hmm. and I think it would be very traumatic to like encounter the Klingons randomly and she just killed one which like who knows if she's killed anything like this is this whole situation is really messed up and so I also can't blame Michael for acting the way that she did but I, like, I, it just makes me wonder, like, if she was in command at that moment, would she have made the right decisions, like, even though it was based on, like, trauma-based responses, you know? Right. Like, would they still gotten out okay, or would she have made an even bigger mess? I think, to be honest, she would have made a bigger mess, because this is Michael as, at the most, like, raw position we ever see her, really, you mm-hmm. know, the most, like she's really comfortable with Giorgio and so that means she's even more fearful of it going you know I think this is something that we're going to see with Michael a lot is that she's going to fight so hard for the people she loves she's going to neglect the chain of command she's going to neglect Starfleet protocol everything because clinging on no pun intended uh to that happiness is like you know it it just kind of actually I'll let Phoebe Bridgers Bridgers sum it up she says and I get this feeling every time I feel good that it'll be the last time. You know, I think that this is Michael's, like, worry. That's her anthem. And that's why she's so... Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's why she's so intent on protecting Giorgio. And she says that, like, I'm protecting you. Like, yes, everyone in the Alpha Quadrant, you know, who could be fighting these Klingons. But you are my priority. And, you know, that comes from her drama with the Klingons and her parents. She's lost Oof. everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. So, 
you're right. I think that we really have to take that matter to perspective and how she throws chain of command out the window when she thinks that she's absolutely dead on right about something. Yep. And I, I thought their discussion about it right after the mutiny was interesting because Michael does the whole crazy thing where she's able to escape the bridge <laughs> by outlawing yeah. the computer. And yeah, then cool. George O's like, what? Like, I'm glad you're alive, but like, what's happening? But what? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but they're, they have a conversation, I think, in the ready room where uh, George O says, what an ego I had because mm. I thought that I could change you and I could um, like un... Uh, undo the shell that the Vulcans had put around you and I just I love that so much like I I love her recognizing this in herself and in a way it's also making Michael feel so ashamed you know yeah it's like wow like I really thought I could do something about this and Michael's like oh god sorry but (laughs) double um, ouch but Michael's response to it is my reaction was not based on logic it was based on emotion and fear and that seems pretty human to me. And I, I think Giorgio's like, oh, <laughs> it's because yeah, you love right. me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ooh, yeah. So the, do you remember, like, because uh, Ashlyn and I would take, we used to, like, do points where we would, like, take, uh, we'd write down a character's name for each series and we'd, like, give them certain points depending on, like, a cool thing that they did Okay, wait, page, an episode. Patreon idea? We need a point yeah. special where... <laughs> We can like share the stats like in share season three of TNG yes. in the year twenty ten. <laughs> yeah. I don't think mine are dated, but this sure. is by... oh, the the watch list. Yeah, the watch list. <laughs> we, yeah, we've been making watch lists since we were You're small right. children. Literally. Okay, so anyway, yeah. So we would have like a, a point system uh, just to like to really quantify who our favorite characters are based on how many points they get overall in a se- season and then in the series entirely. And so Ashley and I were starting to do points for Discovery, even though we're in college and we're like, we don't really <laughs> do this anymore for Star Trek, but it's new Trek. And so we were like, let's try to do a points thing. And I remember like being more irritated watching these two episodes back to back, you know, as we're starting this show because I had to cross off all of these names of people who either died or like you know, got zero screen time before they were transferred or, in George Orr's case, died, you know, like, anyway, (laughs) it was just, so I remember being extra annoyed about this, like, chain of command switch up between these episodes, between Battle of the Binary and Contexts for Kings, so, you know, like, it's just, it's completely wild, and there was no way to keep up with it, exactly like you said, Ashlyn, like, there's, it's so hard to even know who your favorite's going to be or like to have a structure when Discovery's doing all of these changes. But now I'm used to it and I love it, but it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's really crazy. Thank you for sharing that about our points. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was a time. It was a tragic time when I had to just like a race of guys and day. Like, Sorry, you're dead. <laughs> I didn't give you any points. <laughs> like, oh, uh, not even a point ban. Like there was no time. No. You just died. <laughs> you just died. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, okay, well, shall we move on to Saru? Choose your pay. <laughs> Choose your character. <laughs> so I think we have to preface this by talking about the elephant in the room, Lorca. Gabriel Lorca. <laughs> he is obviously the captain in this season, and Saru has now become first officer. We have seen 
Michael go be transported on a prison ship and then <laughs> gets attacked or whatever. No, not attacked, but she uh, gets well, she, like a she gets transferred. Yeah, she gets transferred and then Lorca picks her up and is like, "You are now specialist Burnham." <laughs> and then um, <laughs> and so we I skipped or like we decided to skip a couple of these episodes and just go right to like Saru's pinnacle moments here and this one does not look good on him (laughs) (laughs) i'm just prefacing that because although he is my beloved i like hate this episode because it's just so hard to watch him be like have these growing pains rihanna these first officer episodes are really revealing the worst in people like we destroyed archer last week and we didn't even go into it trying to destroy him but like the facts reveal themselves Mm -hmm. through these episodes i mean we saw the worst of Riker. we saw the worst of spock like (laughs) galileo 7 does not look good on him like there are episodes that we all know just People suck it, and we happen to be watching them because they're usually the first officers, I guess. Yeah, Saru has quite a journey with this. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so in Choose Your Pain, Lorca has been captured. He's hanging out with Mud, you know the usual. And Saru is in command. He is so angry at Michael. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he has a lot of, like, pain from her whole situation that he has not worked through. Also, it is very jarring that the person who, like, betrayed you most in your life is now back in your life and back on your Mm -hmm. ship. And, of course, that way worse than, like, being with your ex. Sorry. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) it might be worse than being with your ex. Like, oh, man, I think we've all been through that, like, situation where you lose a friend but you still have to see them all the time and it's so painful and that must be that feeling but times like 20 because it's like that person destroyed my life (laughs) literally it started a war and killed my captain oh my god like he puts a lot of blame on michael you know that like klingons killed the captain but she had a hand in it and so we see him put a lot of blame on her in this one yes i've thought the beginning of this episode was great because i think he's really feeling that moment of like when like the assistant manager like manager of the store is gone and then you realize that you're in charge of the store and you're like oh no like i better start googling what are good leadership qualities or like (laughs) that's exactly what he did yeah and that's exactly what he did he asked the computer who are the most decorated captains in starfleet and i wrote down the names that came up because i thought it'd be a good point of study robert april Woo. Woo, shout out, Archer, Jonathan Archer, which <laughs> came up, he sure did. And then Matthew Decker, who of course is Decker's dad from the mm-hmm. motion picture. He was in Ooh. the episode where he flew into the like mouth of an anomaly in original series. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what that one's called. The immunity syndrome, maybe? Yes. He like went crazy and like died. Anyway. Um, and Oh, the pancake one? No, not the pancake oh, one. okay. <laughs> I thought he was like the madness. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> no, wait, Decker okay, wasn't sorry. in the pancake one. Okay, I was making sure it wasn't that, because you said he flew into the anomaly? Yeah, he was in a, um, he was in a shuttle, Rihanna. Come on, don't you understand my, like, incredibly vague <laughs> description of this episode? This time, no, usually yes. Okay, this is, uh, in the episode... The planet, oh my gosh, it's the Doomsday Machine, I'm so sorry. Oh, um, of course, okay. Yeah, everyone knows Doomsday Machine. Yeah. Anyway, um, and then the last captain is Giorgio. 
So, like, what a name to be reminded of in this moment where he's captain, where he's looking up, like, who the best captains are. It's like, oh, and also that person that I loved dearly. (laughs) Cool. Like, that is another thorn in my side for Mm -hmm. today. But I think it's also a reminder of, like, what would Giorgio do? You know, it's Mm -hmm. also, like, okay, maybe I can embody your spirit. But he certainly does not. (laughs) He goes ahead and starts not caring about harm, uh, helpless creatures, which is... (laughs) yeah bad look on him like i said <laughs> i'm just continuously shocked by this like he could have been canceled like for this <laughs> yeah like saru that's a space whale he, no last name <laughs> like excuse me you were just protecting the or you will protect the gorbagander um, um yeah so anyway this is because i think it comes down to him being super stressed <laughs> like this is a his first time in the spotlight as captain acting captain and michael is like still making his threat ganglia come out which i think is insane again like a very i think like uh he's like piling on his fear you know onto michael blaming her for a lot of things that aren't her fault to make her sort of the amalgam of like uh yes yes she's everything in my life that went wrong like you said there's no counselor on this ship like there's you have Lorca as your captain. Like, this is just, like, really hard times for everyone. And I'm not excusing Saru's behavior, but it's good to explain it and exactly like you were saying. So, uh, yeah, and then he Googles the captains, and I, you know, then he's asking the computer to compile this, like, record his progress as captain and make sure that he's, like, doing it well enough, you know, which is, like, so me. <laughs> you know, like, I just really identify with this, like just really overthinking everything going on here and this particularly is on his first command yes Brianna I thought that was a great description of how Saru handles Michael because it's it's totally true <laughs> later in the episode while Loker's still captured we find out that they are about to jump to black alert like Saru's like hey we're in Klingon space we need to get out of here because people yeah. are coming. We don't know how long we can be here. And we think we know the coordinates of Lorca's ship. So we have to jump yeah. right now. And mm. then it comes as news to him that Stamets has taken the spore drive offline. And so Saru marches down there in his cute little Saru shoes. And yeah. he's like, um, why is this offline? And mm-hmm. it's because Michael went to Stamets and Loki went over his head. Um, And I think Saru, I think Stamets incorrectly interpreted that Saru would want to stay and try to figure out what was going on with the Gormagander. The Um, tardigrade. um, With the tardigrade, (laughs) yeah. Imagine they put out space (laughs) whale there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, with the tardigrade. And so Stamets is shocked when Saru is like yelling at them like, I gave you an order, you know, like that's, Mm -hmm. he's resorting to the most like crude way of commanding. Yeah, it's true. And and again, he's neglecting the creature and its needs. And they're all saying like, this is like a, like, we don't know if this creature sentient. We know that it has life and it has um, rights, you know, as Mm -hmm. like just under Starfleet Charter. And Saru is the first to quote Starfleet Charter. So this is always so interesting, this episode, because it's so like deeply out of character for him compared to the rest of what we see of Saru that I think it's really showing his time of crisis and how his culture also like projects so much fear onto him still, you know, and I think that because the ganglia like really hold him back in a lot of situations and that's exactly what Michael was accusing him of 
is to, you know, like, if you're scared your whole life, you're not going to get anywhere, or whatever she said mm -hmm. uh, along those lines. And so I think, you know, it's just awful that, like, he literally as a time of crisis and a fear response, he lashes out at others and is just like, make it happen. I don't care what you have to do to the tardigrade. Like, all of this kind of stuff. They're strongly suggesting against it. Saru just, like, doesn't even talk to Colbert. He just goes right to Stamets and is like, you'll get this done, right? And Stamets is just like, yes, sir. Um, which, of course, I think that's the moment Stamets decides, okay, I'm about to inject myself and go and ride the spore drive so the tardigrade doesn't <laughs> have to. <laughs> or whatever, because it, like, shriveled up. It was just... It, this is just so horrible because not only is he being horrible to Michael, but he's also being horrible to this poor little tardigrade because he's so blind to his fear of this command situation and because he's in his fear of Michael. He calls her a predator, you know, like you are a proven predator. Um, so, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I thought it was really ironic that his insistence to get things done without listening and taking them seriously essentially like makes the situation worse because it put mm -hmm. Hugh and Stamets at odds with each other because Hugh is saying I'm not going to help murder the tardigrade and Stamets is like okay and so it like you know it like causes mm -hmm. that rift between them because of Saru yeah. and also in Stamets and his desperation to get the job done and his like loyalty to Starfleet and also his curiosity with mm -hmm. the spores that was justification for him to just do it and yeah. I just think it like shows the toll that we put on people if we do not handle like our anger or our or just like our our actions can yeah. can have these type of effects on people you know and so like especially if you're like a manager or a commander you know like saru can only blame himself like yeah stamets had a hand in it but i mean like or he pushed him into that corner. yeah he pushed him into the corner and made him do it yep absolutely oh it makes me furious yeah this is just at the, at the end of the episode, you know, it turns out Michael's right all along. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, oh, 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 wait, go, dig it back now, y'all. Um, uh, going back to your point about uh, him calling Michael a predator and how she's constantly saying, you know, like justifying his fear because of his species. So mm -hmm. Rue says, do not treat me like one of your xenological experiments. Yeah. And I thought that was really telling. Mm -hmm. But also, like, I wasn't sure. I, I, again, felt like Michael's kind of writing a line bringing that up. But I know what she's trying to do. You know, she's trying to help him she's at the same connect. time and yeah. trying to connect. Yeah. But I still felt like it was kind of, like, weird bringing this up, especially when he's the captain. But also she's got to be like, I'm the mutineer. Like, what are they going to do? <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to do? Send me to jail. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah, already did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe she's feeling a little yeah. risky right now anyway, but... I love that she turns out to be 100% right, and Saru's like, this is a learning moment for me. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, this is a growing moment. This is a step towards trust. Yeah, and also we know that Michael's specialty is xenobiology, and so she is ordered at the end of the episode to cure the tardigrade, and she yeah. and Tilly are able to set it free um, using the network. So it all turns out okay, but yeah, this was a crazy episode. Yeah, so... Um, just a reminder don't do science experiments on yourself for a job it's not that deep <laughs> in the end <laughs> i mean low-key 
would they even be able to jump without human experiments, though? No, but <laughs> don't do it that way. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's true. It's not worth it. <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> um, wow, so shall we go to the wolf in the fold? Oh, I mean, the wolf inside. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Wolf inside? Yeah, the wolf inside. The devil yep. inside. Every single one of us has a wolf inside. inside. (laughs) God, these season one titles are hilarious. Love it. So this is like insane. Here we are in the fire again. We are in the like last couple episodes of season one. They are uh, in the mirror universe. Michael is playing the role of mirror Michael. Lorca is like double crossing them. Basically, Michael is separated from the rest of Discovery. They are posing as the ISS Discovery, where Tilly is the captain, which is our first little, again, another like hint of what's yeah. to come, which is crazy. <laughs> and something that really stood out to me in the beginning part of this episode was uh, there's a scene where Michael and Saru are communicating via, com- via comms. And at this point, their relationship is a lot better. They trust each other a lot more. And they've really gone through some crazy stuff together. And I think Saru is finally, like, respecting, like, the glow up that Michael is having. Um, (laughs) Especially because this whole time, Lorca has really been, like, low-key grooming her. But but it's inspiring to see the captain is, like, really um, agreeing with the mutineer and, like, (laughs) letting her rise up again, you know? Um, And so I think Saru respects that, too, and respects Lorca's opinion respects everything that Michael has done this season. And so when they're separated and in the universe, I think it's also kind of easy to assume this is all for one. Saru has no trouble going to talk to Laurel or people that were former enemies and saying, let's make peace. We need to get the F out of this situation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for laying this all out, Ashlyn. I want to talk about specifically some moments here because it's really interesting we're not you know talking about any of the politics really the mirror universe just saru's captaincy (laughs) (laughs) um but this has now been quite a few times he's been in the captain's chair and had Lorca's, you know captured somewhere or (laughs) sorry anytime someone rhymes it's really amazing oh yeah (laughs) um we do it so often to the movie series so (laughs) we were bringing it back for a minute (laughs) oh geez but I mostly want to talk, because I think, like, Saru does really well in this episode, captaincy-wise. Like, this is a really tense situation, and he handles it so much better than he did in the episode we previously discussed. He's had a lot of work done <laughs> for himself, you know, here in these episodes. He's trusting Michael completely now. But why do you think, I know he makes his reasons, but why do you think Saru doesn't tell michael that colber has died this is what i was gonna bring up rihanna i thought this was one of the most important part of the episodes for their relationship (sighs) well i mean saru's reasoning is that he doesn't want to distract michael from the mission which i think is a great reason because he knows that michael is emotional and she's like really driven by her emotions to do things and so i think if she had found out that ash had Oh my god, had murdered. Well, they didn't know yet that it was him. Oh, that it was Ash, that's right, yeah. Um, But I think, like, the idea that someone had been murdered on Discovery is, like, really unsettling. And that's what Saru says to Tilly, right? The thing, yeah. I, so, I, I, I totally am with Saru. I think it's, I think it's okay not to tell her. I want to, before I ask you your opinion, I also want to bring up that Michael holds back the truth about the Kelpians from him. 
I totally agree with her in that moment because um, the Kelpians in the Mirror Universe are slaves to everyone mm-hmm. else and they don't even have names. They're like the lowest, they have like the worst possible lives. And yeah. so Michael doesn't tell her for the same reason because he does. she doesn't want to hurt him and she doesn't want, yeah, she, yeah, she doesn't want to hurt him. Uh, that's so painful and thank you for bringing that up because I kind of forget that perspective as well. Like, he's trying to captain this right now. He's trying to navigate the situation. Michael's right. He doesn't need to know, like, what the Kel- what the Kelpian's position is here. I don't know. I think I'm more on, like, Tilly's side. And I think Saru should have told her someone can handle something. Like, I'd rather have, at least for me, I think I'd rather have the truth over, like, oh, how long has this happened? Like, I need to know, like... I don't know, I just feel like this is so such important information. You know, Tilly is fully expecting him to s- tell her. And so he, she's like, hang in there, friend. You know, like, this is going to be rough news, but, mm-hmm. like, we're all here for you kind of thing. But I do see the perspective, absolutely. Like, we are focusing on the mission at hand, and this is really critical, and she needs to be in top form. And already, Ash is, like, you know, <laughs> uh, starting to fall apart more and more. But then maybe she would have been more suspicious of, like, everyone or and more suspicious of Ash and, like, it wouldn't have been completely blindsiding. But I don't know. It's really hard to tell because obviously Sarud made his choice. And I just think to take someone's, like, to take that away from someone, like, because you're afraid of how they'll react is is not advisable in most situations. And I think even with Saru, like, because then he doesn't he find out from, like, mirror Giorgio that they're slaves and that they like dine on kelpian yeah. you know like that's horrible and so i would much rather know from michael right away even if i'm in a command situation so i just think the truth is always good even if it hurts in the moment it's gonna like arm you you know yeah you bring up a really good point i i think it shows again that saru can get kind of it's like Chakotay, like Saru can get kind of um, blinded to some things when he's in command and he has like a lot of tunnel vision sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so I think for himself, like as much as for Michael, he's like, I'm just going to ignore this <laughs> and yeah. we're just going to keep moving forward and it's going to be fine and we have to continue with the plan because it has to work, you know, and like these outside factors are really his weakness. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that, Ashlyn. That's such a good point. Wow. Oh, Damn. Mr. Saru. Um, I oh, I think tough. besides that, though, I think he has a great episode, as you talked about. I want to move on to vaulting ambition, if that's yeah, cool. Um, totally. Because most of what Saru does in this episode, which to me I was very surprised at, um, mm-hmm. is talk to Laurel in the... Yeah. Um, in the <laughs> uh, oh, Brig. <laughs> More like their storage area plus Brig. <laughs> Everyone's Brigs are really weird. Yeah. Like, huge room, tiny cell. Yeah. Um. <laughs> That's why it's storage and disco, for I just, sure. It makes me think about, yeah, yeah, storage and disco. They're like, gotta fill it with something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So, basically, Ash is acting crazy, and it, the Klingon is activating inside him, as it yeah, sometimes as does it to us all. <laughs> yeah. And Saru is increasingly like, Laurel, what's going on? How can mm-hmm. I help him? Because the doctors have no idea what's going on. And 
he's clearly in pain and this is what mm-hmm. Saru's trying to tell her is like this is happening to Ash and she's like great this is this was our plan all along this is what Voke and mm-hmm. I have been planning from the beginning any pain mm-hmm. that he's in Voke knew how it was gonna go so she's saying it's fine i'm not gonna help him like he's supposed to feel this way and then he'll get better but he doesn't God. um yeah. he gets worse and worse and we see um ash is like scratching slash voke is like scratching mm-hmm. at his chest it's mm-hmm. like so gross i hate this whole awesome. part of the episode i skipped it fully <laughs> i did not watch that i think no. i think that's good yeah yeah um <laughs> again like Lorel's like it's fine whatever and it's yeah. not until Saru literally beams Ash into the cell with her that she's immediately like okay th- like take it back yeah <laughs> like totally. this this is actually a really bad situation <laughs> that was the best move because we see first Saru showing Ash mercy by beaming him aboard you know he got beamed off by Michael and so they beamed him aboard the whole him and Ash, you know, relationship is so turbulent now that they found out that he killed Colbert. Oh, yeah. And he has, you know, he's an activated Klingon spy. How, how could you ever know that? <laughs> and he says, we are stranded in a cruel, archaic world, but we are Starfleet. And that is just such like a Spock moment, you know? I'm like, this is just so good. I love this, that even though you killed a crewmate, I'm still going to save your life, you know, and we're still going to figure this out for you. This is terrifying to go and talk to Laurel. She's, like, really scary. <laughs> like, and Saru is just so brave in these moments. And he's just, like, yeah. And I love that moment where you just, like, beam him, you know? And then he just beams up and, like, he just, he's like, I'm done with you not telling me the truth or the full whatever. Like, how, how do I help him? Here, you take him. You do with this guy. <laughs> I was literally thinking about his discussion he must have had in sick bay. Because, like, he was in sickbay and he's watching the doctor struggle and, like, Ash, like, can't even be held down. And he's like, guys, just hang on. I'm going to go talk to her. And if she can't deal with this, then I'm beaming him in there, you know? So she's, like, he's on his way and he's like, transporter room, get ready to move that beep, beep, you know? Like, (laughs) well, and I think Palmer's like, thank the Jesus. Like, I needed him out of there. Because, like, he's putting (laughs) this this medical staff at risk. Like, he has to do something about it. And so I love that Mm -hmm. he just leaves it in her hand. He's like, we have really given it our best shot and we can't help him. Yeah. So if he's going to die, then he's going to die. Exactly. Damn, so good. Love it. <laughs> I, real quick, right. can you room. imagine if Lorca was in the command at this time? <laughs> <laughs> Beam him into space. He literally, he would not have beamed him for. up. Yeah. He'd be like, whatever, Ash can just die right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I'm so glad Loka showed his true colors. Mm-hmm. And Saru's arrival is essential to get everyone out of there in time. Um, it's all about timing in the show, always, and uh, Trek in general, which I love. It's like, okay, everyone was in the right place at the right time to make this happen. <laughs> it's amazing. You know? Yeah. Michael they're, and Giorgio. They're Starfleet. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think it's time to leave the trauma. What do you think? Let's move into the light. Let us enter the pike phase of Saru's first officer career. This is one of my favorite parts of Discovery and one of my favorite, maybe my favorite season, I think. Um, yeah, and my, this is my favorite episode, I think, of Discovery. It's, it's so, so good. good. It's so good. If you all haven't seen Brother in a while, please go watch it. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Who says that Discovery is not uh, rewatchable? Like, 
Yeah, we episodes. will tell you. <laughs> we will tell you. We have rewatched it out of context a lot, and it's oh totally God. rewatchable. And even though context is for kings, you know, like the butcher cares not for the lamb's cry. Oh my so. God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so here we are, brother. I just want to read my only note for this episode uh-huh. because I was what? distracted yeah. by someone. I said, amazing first <laughs> impression by pike i am dead with pure joy (laughs) (laughs) so you might not be surprised that i want to talk about the impression that pike leaves on this crew in the first couple minutes you know we go to the transporter room michael's freaking out because she thinks spock's gonna be there Mm -hmm. he's not it's this weird white guy (laughs) he's one of my least favorite like rando side characters (laughs) he reminds me of cupcake from the 2009 Cupcake is so much better than him. Yeah, maybe you're right. But he reminds me of like a <laughs> random 2009 guy. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, they get there and then Pike says, I know you were not expecting this. Like I randomly caught up to you yeah. and I'm taking over your ship. Um, <laughs> so random. <laughs> yeah. I love the writers even are like, we're just going to call it out and say this is random. <laughs> well, and Saru's like, I did not receive orders. You know, Like Saru automatically, you can tell, he just has pulled up like all of the rules and he's going yes. through them because Daru like goes on to say the like subsection you mentioned it only works under three classifications and mm-hmm. that's like if there's like imminent danger going on there's no we've got no captain no goddamn first officer Rouser to replace, replace him. Him. <laughs> situation yes <laughs> no one qualified to take over yeah. um or like i can't remember what the third one was it was like some important um. thing yeah, I can't remember. It doesn't either. matter. But the point is that Saru's like, so which one? Like, which one is it? I think he's trying to catch him, you know, to, yeah. like a little, like just a little bit to be like, so what's actually your agenda? And Frank's like, uh, your honor, it's all of them. All of the all conditions of are met for me taking over <laughs> oh the ship. Oh my God. And I think, Drama king. Yeah, I love that. I think Saru, <laughs> but it's true. Saru really respects that. And he's like, okay, cool. I, I better not overanalyze this. You can just have the ship. <laughs> Literally... Ashlyn, that's such a good point, and I love this scene. I think it does show, like, the scars that Lorca left right away, mm-hmm. you know, especially on Saru. They're coming out of, like, the the wars ended with the Klingons. They came out of the Mirror Universe, like, recently, and so everything is very fresh to them, and so getting a new captain is really jarring, but you're exactly right. Pike, like, puts everyone at ease, and I gotta just shout out Linus. This is so random, but, like... I never noticed this before, but because I'm, like, watching Saru and watching his interaction, because as he's saying, like, well, the Starfleet Charter says this and this, the uh, rando white guy, uh, who's not Spock, (laughs) like, rolls his eyes as Saru's talking, and Linus has eyes, like, on the side of his head, and he has this cold, you know, and so he turns his head and sneezes on rando white guy, and I'm, like, I never thought that was intentional, but now I'm, like, certain it was, because he's, like, how dare you roll your eyes at Saru, like, we have been scarred by Lorca, like, do not take this lightly, like, he has to ask these questions now, because our trust was broken. It's not karma, that's the best kind. (laughs) literally. (laughs) I love that Michael's just like, oh yeah, I heard it's going around. (laughs) Amazing. It's so so good. Yeah. I love that. I have Mm -hmm. never noticed. I never try to watch Not Spock if I can help it. Oh yeah. My eyes are anywhere but on him on the screen. Awful. Yeah. Yeah, Rihanna, thank you for mentioning like everything that the crew's been through. It's pretty insane to think about. 
Mm-hmm. And I kind of view the start of the season as light filling the cracks that Lorca left. And Pike is this golden sunshine coming through <laughs> to them. And he's supporting them and like trusting them right away, which is so foreign to them. And I I just, I love to see it. He believes them right away. And there are some like tussles, you know, a little bit back and forth because... Um, he doesn't want to leave when they are in this, uh, when they go to the first signal, um, you know, Pike has already explained the whole situation. It's the, the blessed signals from, um, yeah. Gabrielle Burnham is here. <laughs> and the first one is going to be over the Hiawatha, which has been stuck for like nine months on this planet. And that during the Klingon war, it was presumed gone. But there's a life sign on it, and so Pike is absolutely determined to save the ship. But there is a tense moment because he is getting negative responses about why things can't work. And then he and Michael are both, you know, kind of like come face to face. And like, Michael's like, don't you think for a second that we wouldn't do anything to try to save our crew? Like, we're not going to leave him behind. I don't think she says it that aggressively, but yeah, that's... Yeah, but something like yes, that. Yes, she yeah. says it very respectfully. And then mm-hmm. Pike's like, well, then stop giving me solutions that won't work and tell me what will. Mm-hmm. And I love that because this is, again, it's reminding me of like pull when she was, um, the episode we yeah. talked about where she kept saying no to all the suggestions Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's like a great thing to address like his captain style is definitely like getting in the way of the rest of the crew and yet he's able to take their feedback and they're able to have this like period of adjustment you know in the first yes. episode which is great because that's very natural you can see Saru just just like going with the flow of it too yeah well I think it's really important here because even though Michael's not first officer right now like she still steps up like one to challenge him you mm-hmm. know and be like actually I was offering a suggestion if you would just, like, let me finish, essentially, is what she was uh, saying. Yeah. And I love that because Michael sort of being like, we will show up for you, just, like, give us a second, you know? Like, we are all adjusting, like you were saying. So that is just really great. And, oh, God, I just love the entire scene with Pike and the pinky. <laughs> totally oh. like, that's not a very <laughs> professional word <laughs> to say to a captain. Oh, and he plays along with her. Like, he's he's showing... I know this isn't the Pike show, but <laughs> it, it is important, you know, to see even Saru, to, for Saru to see them interacting, to be like, oh, wow, he's, like, making the crew laugh and, like, feel a little, like, he can probably feel the air. Because, you know, he's always sensing people's moods and he's like, I sense you're anxious about seeing your brother. And Michael's like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you for, for pointing that out. I noticed that when Tilly was stammering and, like, kind of talking too much everyone else is kind of smiling because they yeah. think it's really funny when Tilly mm-hmm. does this. But Saru is serious and he's mm-hmm. just like shaking his head and he's embarrassed. Yeah. And he's like, oh my God, Tilly, shut up, please. Yeah, because like, he's probably worried, like, is he going to be another Lorca who's like, wow, like could never imagine you being captain and yeah. say this awful stuff to Tilly. Well, and also he, Saru's trying to represent himself and Discovery by an extension as best he can. And so like yeah. small little things like this really get under his skin. And so yeah. fine. Finally, um, so I so I love that that Picard. Um, I love, I do love that Picard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> oh God, I do love that Pike plays along with it, as you said, and makes everyone feel at ease. And then he also asks everyone to give their name. Rank doesn't matter. 
mm-hmm. and then he memorizes everyone's names immediately, which is crazy. So cool. Like yeah. I want, like, what do I have to do to get the brain of Captain Pike? Because like Literally. I really need that's it. like teacher energy. <laughs> <laughs> I memorized thirty two names just now. That is big teacher energy. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. That was always, like, super impressive at the beginning of the school year when there are some teachers that can, like, say every single name. And they would... And when they said it right, too, they pronounced it right. Yeah. whoa. Well, and they would use it, like, as a... like a fun way to end the class it's like here yeah. we go name 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 like boom, boom. actually yeah. our, i just i'm sorry about this interlude but i have yeah. to throw out dr homan um mm. from western civ one of my favorite teachers i've ever had in my life during my undergrad he did do that where he had everybody say their name mm-hmm. and then during the class he would randomly call on people to answer and they would be like um like no one's hands were up and he would just call on people because he had already memorized their names and even if they were like fidgeting he'd be like hey you over there like really insane i so just shout out to dr homan um yeah pike probably should have explored teaching (laughs) yeah maybe he taught at the academy (laughs) somebody write that book right now (laughs) or that fic (laughs) oh lord um, um yeah yeah that's amazing oh well i just also want to say that pike does acknowledge he says that i know he betrayed this crew he's talking about Lorca, and he shows them that respect and understanding by memorizing the names like you said and also like saru is still very careful as a first officer about safety you know when your whole life and your whole being is dictated by like sensing fear and danger of course it's going to take you a while to unlearn that like caution and fear um aspect especially because we're about to talk about obol obol's a coming yeah exactly so suru is a great tactical acting captain in like a fight on the ship you know like he's always really good at being like detmer this move delta whatever oh whoa get the torpedoes ready (laughs) i don't know (laughs) you can tell i wouldn't be a very good captain i'm like oh whoa those things (laughs) fire (laughs) them Yeah, I, yeah, Rita, that, that's a great point. And I wouldn't expect him to be good in battle because mm-hmm. he is sometimes, like, so paralyzed by fear. But um, yeah. we're really going to see that start to change um, because an obol for Charon, <laughs> obol for, <laughs> for, for something, we get to see uh, briefly Una, which we're not going to talk about um mm-hmm. because we're going to talk about her later oh, wait for strange new worlds but Sorry. like some of the enterprise crew is starting to come on and saru has a cold uh that's what he thinks is the start of the rhinovirus but really of course it is the start of the vahari which has been mm-hmm. triggered early just like a classic um like plot point would trigger any kind of disease early <laughs> like perhaps ponfar <laughs> um <laughs> any, any you know classic plot points yeah. just have to trigger things when the writers sure. need them exactly. and so the spear data has triggered his vaharai mm-hmm. um and this whole time the ship is out of whack like being totally distorted by the sphere data everyone's speaking in different languages and there's like an actual virus going on in the computer mm-hmm. everything's going crazy and yet saru just like pushes through <laughs> saru pushes through <laughs> That is so true. <laughs> oh, God, stop it. Oh, my God. We just lost um. a patron. <laughs> or gained one. You never know. For every pun, we both lose and gain lose a and patron. Gain. <laughs> we come out even. Yeah, perfect. I'm fine with that. 
Um, yeah, so a couple of things about this, what you just said, Ashlyn. Like, Saru speaks 94 languages, and I love that then everyone's speaking all these different languages. Mind you, there are a lot of Earth languages, I'm noticing. There was a couple, like, alien ones I didn't know, but for the most part, I was like, oh, yeah, there's, like, there's Cantonese. There's Arabic? Literally. Like, French. I love hearing Pike speak French. Um, no. No. No, no. To me, it was Pike speaking German. I knew you were oh, going to say that. Oh, Lord almighty. Oh. <laughs> How fun was this scene for the actors is what I'm thinking, too. Like, you had to learn all those languages. Yeah, so awesome. And I thought, and I, <laughs> because uh, in my undergrad and master's, I had to take a lot of, like, pronunciation classes because as a singer, mm-hmm. you have to learn to pronounce things correctly. And so I was really, like, focused in that scene about how all the actors were producing their sounds because mm-hmm. that's, like, that's my job. Or, like, that was something I was really trained in. And yeah. everyone sounds so good. I just, like, have to yeah. compliment, like, dialect coaches people um who help them with that because i assume these people don't actually speak all these languages but it was it was amazing to see and very impressive to see saru speaking so fluently because like i just think the kelpian brain is superior um because there's no way that i would be able to slip in and out of all of those different languages and keep them straight you know oh my gosh yeah it's amazing and i love that Everyone is so confused because even when they're able to speak in uh, standard again, or the translators are working again, then um, Detmer's like, I still can't read this. Like, mine's in Tausedian, which I thought was a really deep yes, reference. so, so deep. So cool. Um, but Saru is like, am I the only one who bothered to learn another language at the academy? And I love that because I just imagine Saru taking like 20 language classes, you know, because he's just like, anyway, I have the time. Or he just learns them in his free time. But, you know, it reminds me of Ahura. Like, she's just like, oh, yeah. I actually know, like, 36 at the start of, like, as a cadet. And I'm like, oh, cool. Casual. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Saru really gets to flex at the beginning of this episode while being sick, you know? Yes. I really thought he shined as Spock in this episode because mm-hmm. he really got the Spock treatment of, I'm suffering through something, but I'm low-key the smartest one on the yes. bridge right now. And so I'm here because I have to be. And even when it is questionable for me to be on duty, I am working. <laughs> yes. And I love that literally all Michael has to do is like press the comm button and go, Saru. <laughs> and he just shows up. He's like, what is going on? I was trying to take a nap, but I am ready to do this. <laughs> Poor guys, like hunched over. It really reminded me so random, but like the episode in Mash where Hawkeye's like his back is acting up, but he has to give everyone injections, so he's just hobbling around. Like you're okay, who's next? I'm like, yeah, this is like, you know, him Saru pushing through energy for sure. Absolutely. Um, I also want to note that when he does finally go to the doctor and she's checking him out, she says that he is having an amount of pain that would make a normal person pass out. And so he's just, yeah. like, walking around, like, in immense mm-hmm. pain, but pushing through it because the needs of the many, after all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and he's chronically Starfleet, like most of these characters. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it does just, it's, a, like, a little bit of a distraction for him because he admits to Michael at the end, or, like, at some point he actually admits, like, this is Vahari, I am going to die. And mm-hmm. Michael is just, like, 
gutted, but also, like, trying to speak to him, like, very sweetly. I thought she handled the whole situation so well. We've talked about this death scene a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But, quote, yeah, death fakeouts. We talked a lot about it. Um, (laughs) Truly, yeah. But, again, I'm just reminded and touched by their closeness in the episode and just, like, impressed by Saru. Absolutely. Thank you, Ashlyn, and thank you, Saru. (laughs) So... Shall we move on yeah. to the future? Yeah, oh my gosh, let's do it. We are jumping 930 years approximately into the future, and we have arrived at People of Earth, which is episode three, I believe. Yeah, Rihanna, you, like, die for this episode, so how about you give us a little rundown about what's going on? Sure, this is uh, the Return to Earth episode, not as the Discovery crew expected. We first get our reunion Michael and Book hear the news that Discovery has appeared, and so they head to, head to them, and Michael gets this reunion with all of the crew, which is the beginning of her misgivings with Starfleet and just the distance she feels between the crew members, because she has been in the future for a year already. And this episode is, like, where they're starting to really learn about the politics of this new future, and they're learning about how earth is now like armed to the teeth and they have like they'll destroy planets that earth planets <laughs> my <laughs> god just dest- <laughs> straight up darth vader in this bitch yeah. <laughs> like wow earth's gone crazy they'll destroy any vessels coming near that like don't have clearance or whatever and they've started actually like a skirmish battle like yeah. essentially with Literally some other earth star colonists. wars <laughs> yeah. yeah like this is star wars world um it's bittersweet, this return to Earth, and also Michael's return to Discovery. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there was, like, an awkward moment at the beginning of the episode because even though we're so happy that the crew is reunited, mm-hmm. it's a little bit awkward because Saru assumes command, and mm-hmm. he's very formal about it. He's like, Michael, we need to go talk about who's going to be captain. Yeah. And Michael's like, it's you, Saru. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's you, Saru, the glue. <laughs> the hope is you. We, like, he's everything to us. We love Through Saru. and through. <laughs> he pushes through. He is Saru. Oh, my God. <laughs> just Saru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, so many quotes. Oh, we just wrote a poem. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, so, and Michael even, like, kind of trails off sadly, like, it might not ever yeah. be me. And yeah. so this this tells you right away where she's at in this episode. Saru says that he was kind of sketched out that she doesn't even consider being captain because that is such a difference from the Michael that he knew before she went into the wormhole. <laughs> I think that, like, Saru has a right to feel a little startled because Michael was so, like, on Starfleet again since Pike. And then since their departure, you know, she literally saved the world, like, and the universe and everyone with the help of Discovery and Enterprise. And so everyone else, blah, blah, blah. We all saw that finale. Mm-hmm. But so then spending this year away from Starfleet and away from command has really opened her up to new possibilities. And Georgia was kind of like, haha, like, don't you realize now, like, how much better it was out there? Um, and now you're used to not having rules and stuff. Michael's not used to the uniform, you know, so it shows right away because she literally goes against protocol and disobeys a direct order in this episode, yet still she decides to become (laughs) Saru's first officer. You know, this is just showing that, like, they're trying to push something that is not ready, you know, and this relationship doesn't have to be like this right now, and it's clear it shouldn't and that Michael shouldn't be in a position of first officer right now. 
Yeah, exactly. And she should have told her plan to Saru. Come on, yeah. Yeah, like, I think it would have been fine if he had been in the know. And I do appreciate this talk they have at the end. Mm Mm-hmm. I did think that the resolution of their talk, like, after she decides to become first officer was interesting because Saru says, I will trust you to grow through change as you have trusted me. We're going to, I mean, in a second, we're going to talk about how um, (laughs) he might regret that. (laughs) Um, But I think Saru does really want to trust Michael. Um, And so at this point, he's like, okay, despite this red flag (laughs) that she kind of disobeyed me, on her trial period, I'm still going to say that she's number one if she wants to be. Yeah. And she takes it, I think, in this in this way, just out of, like, I don't know what else to do right now with my life. And this is a position that, like, I would like to have again. But she's, yeah, she's grown differently uh, in this past year. And it shows in Scavengers, for sure. I think this is so similar to Michael's same arc we saw in the Vulcan Hello with her choosing the needs of the one over the many or or thinking of thinking of something in a skewed way but this time she was more like on the money she was more uh right about the situation and as we learned from Admiral Vance could have talked to Saru about it maybe gone through to Vance and he would have greenlit like the mission anyway um because they wanted the black box to know about the burn like the burn is something that Michael's been obsessed with uh, for this past year. And I think it's because it's keeping her going. Okay, yes, Rihanna. This is, again, like, all first officers have their moments. This was an, mm-hmm. another, like, low moment for Michael and something that we have not really seen since the Vulcan hello. I think you're totally right that she had the correct <laughs> grasp on the situation and she was doing the right thing. We're finding that mm-hmm. Michael's usually right um, yeah. <laughs> as the seasons progress. Um, and she knows what the best thing to do. But... I thought it was really interesting because this was the second time that this was happening. I was, um, uh, it's apparently Air Force is testing their plane day. So if you hear planes on my end, we are doing our best. Literally every time I'm like, Danny, what is going on with your base? Like, can't they calm down with the airplanes? Yeah, record a podcast. Normally, like they do tricks on Fridays. So I don't know what's Mm -hmm. happening on Thursdays. So I'm looking for patterns because this is now signs of another Michael mutiny that mm-hmm. is going to happen. And I'm like, okay, how can we prevent this? Come on, Michael. Yeah. Like, don't make the same mistake twice. But you can tell she is absolutely committed to doing this because when she asked Giorgio to go with her, Giorgio completely lays out all of the repercussions. Like, you are letting Saru hang out to dry. Yeah, and I have the quote here. Yeah, please read it because it's a great um. one. You're far too smart not to realize you're dropping Saru in the fire. He's trying to prove his legitimacy and his number one is running all around the galaxy disobeying direct orders, which has a familiar ring. Yes. Oh my god. And then Michael's response is, I'd rather regret something I did than something I didn't. Yeah. So she doubles down. (laughs) Michael's like, eh, it's fine. (laughs) I've seen this film before. Um... But I didn't yeah. like the ending. <laughs> yeah, literally, like, but this is a, a, a different mission, you know? Now she's looking to rescue Book. No one's heard from him in three months. Um, and also, like we were talking about, her obsession with the burn is so fueled here that, again, when she has a mission, when she has a mission, she's going to destroy all rank and just say, 
I'm going to do whatever needs to happen here. And um, it just burns even more the fact that Vance was like, yeah, this was a good mission. We should have, you should have gone through proper channels. It surprises Saru. Like, he did yeah. not even think about stopping to ask Vance about this. I think it's a, a sort of jab to Saru as well, to both of them. Yes. Like, you both made a bad decision here. Yeah, I, I think this is a sign that although this crew coming from the past seems like unbelievable in so many ways they definitely still have their faults and they still have their issues that they're working through saru is not a perfect captain just because he led a crew through the wormhole you know exactly uh and so i think like this is a good moment for both of them to understand the repercussions of everything that happened during this episode um because at this point in season three like either one could be captain like this is just yeah. like they're just workshopping the captain's chair at this point with this crew in this new future it's a very good point like i've heard people complain a lot about saru's captaincy during season three i think i see no problem with it i think that uh he's captaining during a lot of like moments of growing for every character and for the entire the crew entirely and i think Michael had settled into a different place. She was kind of past that, like, shock of the future. She's already mourned the people, um, pretty much. She did say she had never got, gotten around to look up Spock's record, and that's just like, oh, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just think, like, I just disagree. I think that Saru did a great job as captain. It's just so turbulent, and Michael is working on her own terms still, you know, and hasn't decided if she even wants to be in Starfleet, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think it was wise for Vance to let Saru deal with her discipline about Mm -hmm. what's going to happen now that you disobey these orders. Um, Because even though Vance is like, yeah, that was a good idea, he still says this is so bad. Like, we're, as Starfleet, we're learning to build our image, and, like, this is about more than you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's great at making you feel guilty, for sure. Like, a lot of respect to him. Um, but <laughs> Saru takes her off as first officer, and I thought it was interesting that Michael was really emotional during this scene because she acts very cool and like more Mm -hmm. reserved i've noticed um when she's on discovery like she's just like harder to connect with i guess yes Um, and i thought it was interesting to see that she was actually upset about this interaction with her and saru at the end though she turns like he turns around to look at her again and she's like you made the right choice i am not a good number one right now you're doing the right thing and so I don't know. I, I think sometimes, like, the place that we're in, it doesn't always fit our expectations. And even though something that we think we... Like, even though we have something that we think we wanted, once we mm-hmm. do, we're like, hmm, I don't know. And for Michael, I think this was her exact position. Yeah. And we're going to see... Or, like, we we learned about this later on with Tilly in season four. So it, it's really important, Ashlyn. Thank you for saying that. And... I think, too, her talk with Tilly was important because she says, like, you put me in a really horrible position back there. You know, she had to sort of tell Saru, give him advice and say, like, you have to, essentially, you have to demote Michael when she's back because this is not, like, you can't keep having her do this to you. 
Um, but it's so painful because they're best friends, you know, and like they have this bond, but the distance between them is really seen here. And I think that it's good that Tilly's able to speak her mind on that. And Michael's able to really realize like, oh, these stakes here were really different than the stakes I was putting on, you know. Exactly. And this is absolutely laying the groundwork for Tilly as captain, which now we've arrived at. Yes. Um, I want to say, which we didn't watch for this watch list, but I have to I have to mention in the second episode of season three, Discovery has just landed and they are on Terralysium trying to figure out what the F's going on. And Saru chooses Tilly to come with him on this journey to like talk to the people on the planet and everything because she's really likable. But I think it was really showing us early on that Saru really trusts Tilly more than just that like she's easy to talk to, you know, like he trusts her intelligence and he trusts how she reacts in uh, like difficult situations And so Mm -hmm. I really think when he asked her in Unification 3 to become first officer, it makes a lot of sense because we've seen their relationship really strengthen over the past couple episodes. Yes, exactly. We have a moment between Tilly and Michael, a couple moments in this episode, which is really nice. I love that they have a talk a bit about it and Tilly gets to be honest, um, like in the episode previous, you know, where she gets to talk to Michael about that betrayal, but also then after, like, um, Michael confesses she's worried it isn't her home anymore, you know, and um, it gives Tilly that context she needs to then when Saru asks her to be acting first officer, she is, like, I think, able to consider it more because she's already had this talk with Michael. She understands Michael doesn't even want this position and she was insubordinate, you know, so, um, yeah, I think this is so cool and I remember being just so effing psyched when this was happening yeah it kind of feels like our question at the beginning of the episode where you know we're asking mm-hmm. who would be a great choice for a first officer and yeah. uh that's what saru was doing you know his answer was tilly yeah, and he was like <laughs> yeah. i think it's tilly here are my reasons mm-hmm. um yeah i do have to bring up a lot of the complaints which came out about the 2009 Star Trek movie because in that movie, Kirk goes from literally cadet to captain. Yes, <laughs> like in one jump. He's yeah. not even an ensign. Um, no. it's, it's, it's amazing to see. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of like a little bit felt this way and so did Tilly about Saru's decision mm-hmm. because she's yeah. only an ensign and she's mm-hmm. first officer and Saru makes it clear like it's in rank only. Which, again, like, I have to remind myself, technically this is pre-original series, even though we're in the future. And also he says, like, I'm choosing you because you will say yes, and you're really awesome. And she says, are you choosing me because I'm qualified or because I'm compliant? Yes. And that is a great question, because Saru's answer is, I'm asking because I believe it's in the best interest of our ship. Yeah, I mean, I think he knows that Tilly is really close with all the crew especially the bridge officers and the bridge officers are going through a lot right now and they need someone they know someone who can lead them well and will listen to them and And will also not go and run off someone stable yeah yeah exactly so then michael can kind of go do her own like side mission stuff you know and tilly can then help saru yeah be that stability he needs because that's why he's it's, he struggles sometimes is because a captain needs a first officer to like really have those two pillars to hold each other up and these 
they keep switching on him, so it's really difficult. Yeah, I can't blame him for his struggling, because everything keeps changing. I thought it was interesting that Tilly goes to Stamets, of all people, when she gets this offer. Obviously, Michael is, um, like, engaged with trying to (laughs) get the (laughs) SB19 data from Mm -hmm. Navarre. And so she's on, like, trial and everything's going on on the the A plot. Um, Mm -hmm. But over here in B plot, we have Stamets and Tilly, and they're talking. Stamets says that having Tilly be his first officer, therefore, like, commanding officer, would be deeply weird. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of a weird interaction. I think Stamets is just really thrown off by it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so knowing his character, like, from the beginning of of the whole show – Maybe in the past he would actually have just left it at that. But I think he felt bad about how the interaction went because at the end of the episode, after, thank goodness, the whole trial's over, um, they have this great say yes scene that the whole ship dramatically coordinated where they got everybody into the spore drive area and Mm -hmm. Tilly walks in and they're all saying say yes, say yes, say yes. They, like, we want you to be our first officer. Here are the reasons why. And it's just beautiful. It's like a perfect, like, cake topper for our series. (laughs) I love it. It's so perfect. They're all saying, we want you in this position. We love you. We respect you. And we think you're going to do great, essentially, you know. And I love that then Michael comes in. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I miss the say yes part? Um, But then, truly, Tilly wants her opinion most, I think. And Michael being like, say yes, Tilly. Like, this is what I want for you and what, like... Like, I don't want this position, so please, you know. Exactly, yeah. And I think that, yeah, that was most important to her, was making sure that it was okay with Michael. Yeah. And now we're going to go to There is a Tide and The Hope is You, part two. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Part two, we have arrived. Yeah, we finally arrived. These are the last two episodes of season three. And it really shows how Tilly is going to be in command of the ship. I think it's a very unfair trial because this is one of the hardest situations that the crew has faced so far. We've been seeing so many episodes with the Emerald Chain this season. And finally, things are coming to a head because Osira is kind of playing this game where she wants to have a diplomatic talk with uh, Vans and Starfleet and join the Federation with this deal. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, there's this, like, they have captured Discovery and they're taking mm-hmm. it over. It took them only 12 minutes to take over. And the head, like, thug for Osira is making fun of Tilly and, like, saying these horrible things. He's like, oh, I'm sure in much less capable hands the ship would have fallen in 10 minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, just being terrible to her. What I love about this episode is the teamwork because all of them are captured in this like side area. I think it's a ready room or yeah, something. Yeah, it looks or like the, a ready like, room. conference room. Yeah. Yeah. But basically like all the minor characters, like all the bridge crew, and then later yeah. Book joins them, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But they are such an amazing team. And this reminds me truly of like top tier teamwork, like TNG yeah. or um like I don't maybe just TNG like who else works this tightly oh my god <laughs> like it's like it's top tier like yeah, get out of the situation really and it's Tilly does such a great job of just assigning everybody a thing to do they're able to knock out these guards because they're yeah. like tapping Morse code I to each that. other um, keep tapping keep tapping yeah. <laughs> brilliant yeah yeah and so I just love like how easily they're able to escape 
And yeah. uh, once book comes in, that's kind of a sign like, oh, Michael's here too. Amazing. Yes, I love that. And she like nods her head at the door, you know, indicating like, oh, it is Michael somewhere on the ship. And book is like, oh, yeah, she's here. She's coming for us, mm-hmm. you know. And so that puts everyone at ease as well. I think um, having Tilly in this position like you said, immensely difficult. I love that she's, like, holding her ground even as Osira is, like, saying horrible things to her. And even when the ship is taken over, we don't see her falter once. Like, she is just completely different than how we saw, you know, her struggling to fit into the role of Captain Killy in season one. And we're seeing Attili who understands what needs to happen in this command situation and just executes it. And so I love... Another thing I love about Tilly is that, like you said, with the teamwork, she utilizes everyone's talents to their full potential by listening and watching, you know? I think that she understands what everyone does well, you know? And then she hears, like, oh, oh, whoa, just told this quick story about being able to breathe for longer. Like, we need to make sure that she, you know, gets some oxygen so that then she can, like, help us win the day, you know? And so she's planning ahead and using these team members to their full potential you know and it's just really cool to watch and i think like i love too that that she also uses their fear of of osira against them you know these these like minions and stuff of hers um she's always like oh but osira said that we're not to be hurt so like you better back up you know it's so good to know the ins and outs of of your enemy too and she does that really well Yeah, I think Tilly is just perfect for this position, and I hate that everyone is, like, so against her. And even, like... I will fight anyone who says that. Like, she did a fantastic job. She's literally an ensign. And even if she wasn't, like, I think she, like, stands right up there with other, like, Mm -hmm. amazing captains in desperate situations. Absolutely. I really noted that she was really calm, and also I like that she was easily able to understand, like, the codes that Michael was giving her. Um, even if it was like a sad code about her not wishing her happy birthday. Yeah, I I love this. And then at the end of the episode, everything's fine. And they're able to like take (laughs) back control of the ship, which is amazing. Wait, no, we should, I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, sure, yeah, that's that's probably the end. Well, no, but I skipped, um, I guess the other like important moment, you know, like Rihanna mentioned is when she orders Owo to go Mm -hmm. and, um, take the take the thing which you talked about right yeah a little bit yeah Yeah. i mean because she's the one who can hold her breath the longest yeah um also too i think it's gotta take such a headstrong person and someone who's like you know like she's really stepping into this command role because once they're able to secure weapons and they're like ready to fight back to take the ship she says if someone falls we keep going you know like this is this what we're doing here is for the greater good she orders them to like all go together yeah. yeah, is this what you're going to say? Think, like, yeah. she says, um, it's at your own risk. Like, you can turn back now mm-hmm. if you want to. You don't have to die today. Yeah, exactly. But the bridge crew goes with, and Bryce says at one point, like, we'll die down there if, if we set off the th- uh, thermal chemical bomb, and if we are down there, like, we'll suffocate, you know, before we can get there. And Tilly says, we can die here, or we can die stopping Osira and saving the Federation. So, like, all of them were prepared to die, and it's amazing that everyone made it out of this, you know, and that's because of Tilly, and that's because of Michael. Like, this team is amazing. Amazing team, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I liked, then, at the end of the episode, when everything is fine, and they're Mm -hmm. able, like, Michael, like, 
kills Osira. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, things really went south. Um, yeah. Then it's Captain Michael and now appears yeah. on the bridge. Tilly easily gives it up, and it reminded me of what Michael had done with Saru. She's like, nope, go for it. You yeah. deserve to be in command. It's your time to shine. Like, please take it. And yeah. that's how the episode ends is Vance is like, hey, we want you as captain. Michael says, I want to wait to see until Saru gets back from Kaminar and yeah. see what he thinks. And he's like, well, we really need you. So <laughs> yeah. you better think about it really fast. Yeah. And essentially she becomes captain while Saru goes back to Kaminar with um, Sukal. So yeah, this is such an interesting thing because I, I do love that you know, Tilly's just like, yep, that's really cool. But I wish they had more of a scene about it, you know? Like, it just seems like we got robbed, like, with many Tilly things. We get robbed a little bit, you know, of, of the time that she could get with Michael. Because it would have been cool to see more of that, like, you know, talking about that command structure changing yet again. I think they need to, like, talk more about how that affects, like, friendship dynamics, too. Because that's got to be so weird. Like, I was just your captain, now you're my captain. And same with Saru, because then he comes back from his Kandahar vacation. <laughs> and he's first officer. And, and he says, you know what, fine. Michael's been captain for, for quite a while. I'll just be first officer. When that never, and he was so strict about, like, you must change command on the bridge in front of everyone, you know, and Pike was there. And then it was like point, war like, time. Yeah. yeah. He's like, okay, anyway, you're captain now, <laughs> I guess. I'm first officer. <laughs> I'm just going to hang out. <laughs> Which, like, this is where they were meant to be. Like, this is what the show is, I think, setting up. We're maybe going to have some stability going into season five. Like, everyone has sort of a position that really fits well. I think that Sri was an excellent, excellent first officer. And he excelled even during Lorca times, you know, for the most part. Except his dicey episode. <laughs> <laughs> He's learning. Pain. He was learning. Yeah, he's learning. <laughs> so, anyway, that was just interesting to me. I'm like, okay, they just sort of command structure is whatever it needs to be right now i'm so curious to see what happens because all this <laughs> switching around is getting confusing it's giving me whiplash um, yeah I, I i mean it's pretty stable throughout season four so i can imagine that it will remain the same who knows what's going to happen with tilly i know mary wise has been busy and a lot of mm-hmm. stuff has been happening with her so uh, I hope to see her more. I hope to see more Jet Reno. Maybe she'll be first officer next season. Maybe <laughs> Saru has to go somewhere. Um, so, Rihanna, thank you. This has been a roller coaster, but as always, we were strapped right in. <laughs> yeah, and I think that it was really fun to talk about a different, completely different dynamic, um, the ever changing web of command, like you said. Uh, <laughs> it just really is going wild, but it's always a joy getting to talk about these wonderful characters and disco is just such a wonderful show i'm so excited to see where we're going in the future and even more excited to be talking about lower decks next week with you ashlyn and speaking of the future um so as we were (gasps) talking about the beginning of the episode next week is lower decks um followed by prodigy and then strange new worlds with una that will be the end of our series. And after that, we will be moving on to the spooky series. Woo-hoo! Yes, yes, yes. The spooky series. Uh, so this is going to be all of the scariest 
episodes of Star Trek or like the best body horror or I mean to say it plainly the best Halloween episodes even though we will be going past Halloween it's basically going to fill up all of your fall so I hope you're ready for a lot of examining of episodes that are very spooky so I can't wait to talk about that more in a couple weeks. Ashlyn thank you so much for choosing a phenomenal phenomenal series I cannot tell you how excited I am. Um, This is going to be amazing. So thank you all so much for joining us today, and we will see you next time. In the warp factor, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, the jazz. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the eighth episode of our first officer series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss Ransom in Star Trek Lower Decks. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Please take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series. Pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, and death fakeouts. If you haven't heard a particular series, please go back and listen to any of these phenomenal episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. What's the word? Not quells, but like, not not nullifies. Neutralizes? <sighs> yeah, I, yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know, he... Pike is sort of, um, not abashed. <laughs> What's the word? Calmed. Um, <laughs> <he's> tranquilized. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>